known each other for a number of years, probably eight, ten years, something like that. We will have met through Living Fire, Global Legacy over at Eastgate, and then in some Transforming Essex stuff. Um, and every now and again we get a chance to hang out, don't we? And it's always a real blessing. Um, and I thought, rather than me be selfish and keep Frank all to myself, because he's great, but I thought, let's, let's, I'll introduce you guys to him. So there you go. Frank, bless you, man. Hallelujah. Wow. You know, if that was for me, what will it be like to give it to the King of Kings, the Lord of Glory? Shall we give him all the applause that he deserves? And what an awesome man he is. Wonderful couple. And I want to say a very big thank you for your friendship. And also for the leadership. You know, it's a risk to bring Frank into your pulpit. <laughs> but thank God that you've got pastors around who afterwards will make sure that everything that, is, that went off, they put it in, in alignment. Hallelujah. It's a joy to be with you. Um, it's been, yeah, that much long we have known each other and uh, God has so, so been good to us. Every time we meet, there's, we share and you can see how hearts and hearts bind together. You know, there was a time where there were people who were working with Jesus they were talking about every negative thing about Jesus whilst they were working with Jesus. And Jesus had the patience enough not to interrupt them, let them keep on their conversation of negativity. Then later on he said, hold on. All the things you're talking about, I think this is about Luke 22. He says, all the things you guys have been talking about was it not written from the beginning, in other words, from the Genesis, all the way through the prophets, that is Moses, and also the prophets talking about Jeremiah and others and Joel telling you about unto us a child is born, unto us a son is not born but he's given. He <laughs> said, did you not realize that this was going to be the fulfillment? See how dumb sometimes we can get. <laughs> that we can be with Jesus and rather be trying to teach him theology when he is the personification <laughs> of the subject matter we are studying. <laughs> Did you get it? Did you get it? That sometimes when he is with us, we're still going around looking for other solutions. I just want to flow as the spirit of the Lord leads. These notes are there. If anything, I can always post them to you. <laughs> but there are times in our lives where the challenges of life has caved us in to the systems of the world. 
that when the answer comes before us, we don't see it. And you're not alone. Because God gives us examples upon examples where those things happen. So he knows where we are at. And maybe it's because of you that God has diverted us all the way through this path. We've passed out of the passage there to talk about this. Because you've been asking him for an answer. And he's saying that the answer is just before you. Will you open your heart to receive it? So these two disciples are teaching Jesus about what should be, and Jesus then begins to expound to them and shows them that all that the authors have written about, all that the prophets have written about was all about him. It was about his story, which was becoming history. And after he sat down with them and, you know, breaking of bread is very important. Then later on, he disappears and then all of a sudden, it dawns on them. Whoa! Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke with us? When your hearts were burning, what did you do with it? Whoa, what a powerful message. Did not what he preached powerfully. What did he do with it? What do you do when the solution to your problem stands before you? Because in John chapter 5, I believe, A man had stayed in a situation for a long time that he had become, I would say, the head teacher of the school of the sick people around him. When you come to me, I can tell you that lady, she came 18 years ago. When she came, she was carried by three gentlemen. That young man over there, because he has sat at the pool for almost 35 years. So anybody who came after 35, this guy had your history, basically. <laughs> and God, out of his mercy and his love and his kindness and his goodness, decides to interrupt and give him an answer. And you know what happens. When God decides to do that, he still finds a very good excuse why it should not be so. Yeah. He says, I've got nobody to help me. He said, that is more the reason why I have come as your help. Psalm 121, he says that I lift up my eyes unto the hill from whence cometh help. He says, my help cometh from the Lord. He said, the Lord has sent me to you as your help as your healer. He still wasn't okay with it because what he's been taught is that there is a way where you get healed and one, you have to be near that pool of water and then when it wriggles some way, somehow, you have to be the first person to dump yourself in. If I don't follow that formula, it's not going to work. Who are you to go and deviate from that formula?
I understand we've been journeying about the Lord's Prayer. And you know the Lord's Prayer is not a formula. It's good that people pray just as it is. It's helpful. But when you have the living one, he will take you further. Tell your neighbor he will take you further. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, there is the basic part, and then he wants to take you further. Amen. You know, as I sat down, this word came strongly. A few weeks as I was praying about this, the word came, and then sometimes, you know, you can hear a word, but it sort of whistles off, and you are thinking, is this for the team, or maybe it's, you know, and I tend to lead other ministries, so sometimes you're wondering which of them is this. And... Um, but as I sat this morning, as we were talking about, oh, he loves us. And just before you sang the song about how he gas us with jealousy, right? I heard in my spirit again, the prodigals are coming home. Wow. Wow. Ooh. You know, as I said, I just said. The prodigals are coming home. Wow. I don't know what it might mean for you. Because in Luke 15, we look at it and there are two prodigals in the house. One of them goes away. The other stays in the house, but he's still a prodigal. One came back in repentance. The other one, we do not know yet whether he really came to the place of repentance. So when the Lord says that the prodigals are coming home, he's not only talking about those who have gone out, who are coming back in repentance, but he might be talking also sometimes about those who are staying in, but they do not have the Father's heart and are not aligned to him. The Father's heart was that the son who was lost will come back and find life. The Father's heart was that every good thing, the son, get it to enjoy. That was why he was willing to give him his inheritance. The father's heart is that none should perish. And he had a son whom he was hoping that you have passed on my heart to you. But this son actually had spies who could tell of what his brother was doing to him. So he had information about his brother, but he never left to go and seek for his brother. Could it be that it was the behavior and mannerism and attitude of this bigger brother which might have even led to the younger brother leaving the house? Could it be? I just don't know. Could it be? You might have to look at that proposition. Because here is somebody who really doesn't care about you. 
He says, that's your son. He didn't say, that's my brother. Hmm? So could it be that there are some behaviors and attitudes that sometimes we portray which puts some of daddy's girls and boys away from him? And he's asking us to look at those attitudes, those mannerisms, those words we use. You know that whenever Jesus met the sick people, he never used their situation to describe them. The woman with the issue of blood. The man who had blindness. Not the blind man. The man who was lame in his feet. Not the lame man. Are you getting me, church? We tend to look at it opposite. We put and paint them with the label and say, that's your identity. But the father is saying, that's not the identity. Because when we put that thing aside, you will see that within them, they carry the DNA of the one who is their maker. And if only you can learn to go past all those things, which are the levels and the things, which are all the tattoos and all of these little things, which begins to put you off about them. He says, if you could go behind it, you see a heart that is yearning for love. A heart that is yearning for healing. The Bible says as Jesus Christ was teaching, there was an anointing to heal. I just sense a healing anointing but this time it is an inner healing anointing. Touching the hearts of people. Because sometimes, you know, you deal with things and you say, oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's unforgiving. But, 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 but in the spirit, when the thing is not fully dealt with, it is registered. It is registered. So, whereas you are praying and magnifying and pretending that all is well, sometimes the accuser begins to use his legal means to bring an accusation. But right now, I just sense that the Lord is doing a healing process right now. Any unforgiveness, that which somebody has done, that which a parent did against you, that which somebody did, your sister, your sibling, whatever it is. Right now, the Lord wants to give you an opportunity to, for settlement because he is the restorer. He is the one who makes and puts all things and makes all things beautiful. 
Sweet Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The picture I see is the picture of a pot which has been put together. On the outside, you can see the crack mark, but on the inside, it is not so. In other words, I've left the signs of the crack just to remind you that it used to be, but you are no longer that within. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Hallelujah. Amen. It's become more of a prophetic meeting where I'm just chatting with you more than just preaching. I love it. Because the Lord has heard your heart cry. And sometimes he uses his servants as we yield to him to speak to that situation. Somebody who came here with a problem in your right leg area. Right now I just sense that you are having a touch of healing right now. Anybody who has a problem around your hip area right now. There is healing already going on. One of you, you can sense a form of like a warmth around you, around that place right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. What an atmosphere. Thank you so much, praise and worship team. You make the work so easy. Oh, I should borrow them to my church. <laughs> but you are a fantastic family. Awesome. And God wants you to continue to learn to honor one another. God wants you to keep that culture. A culture of honor. A culture of honor is a culture of Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 says that even though he was the king of glory, he left it all and came down to honor us. So that the son of God will now become a man. So that the sons of men can now become the sons of God. Awesome. Awesome. One of the beautiful things about prayer, and even right from the Matthew account or the Luke account of the Lord's prayer, is how important that God needs us in partnership so that the things in heaven can be registered here on earth as we project, speak, agree, touching here on earth so that it is registered. <laughs> so in Jesus' account, we realize that our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name. He made sure that he made us aware that our Father who art where? In heaven. So that we don't begin to think that God is our mate. Sometimes the challenge in the body of Christ is the fact that we swing the pendulum to the extreme. That to, in order to bring it, 
back to the center, it's almost like you've got to swing it to the other extreme. <laughs> so when we've been bound by religion, spirit of religion, and all of the doing things from your strength and all of that, and then God brings a revelation of freedom, of relationship, then we bounce it to the other end. Whereby it's like, oh, yeah, he's my buddy. So, you know what? There's no discipline anymore. <laughs> but he wanted them to be aware that he's your father. But he's in heaven. You are here on earth. It means he's sovereign in his acts. It means he knows and understands things that sometimes we don't. And we have to cooperate with him. Hallelujah. So in one of these partnerships, there was a prophecy in Joel. I think in Joel chapter 2 where he says, that in the last days, he's going to pour his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will begin to prophesy or preach or, you know, and they'll speak in new tongues. For this to become a reality, let's now turn over to look. So let's turn to Luke chapter 26, verse 44 to 46. Luke chapter 26, verse 44 to 46. Anybody who is faster at it and you want to read for me, all the better. Thank you. <laughs> Luke 26, verse 44. To 46. Luke chapter 26. <laughs> there was a time where someone was picking up on, um, let me not share this joke now. It will it, it, it reflect, reflect bad on me. Uh, but I'm, looking, I'm, I'm coming, I'll just find it. Because over there, basically he was going to tell them to tarry whilst, I'm coming, I'll just find it for you, 44. 24, yeah, 24, is it verse 44 to 46. So the essence here was where he was telling them to go and tarry before the Acts account. That just once that part I'm coming. Twenty-four, verse forty-nine. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you. So 24, let's read from 44 to 49. Yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank God there's no 26 because you'll have been reading something different for me anyway. <laughs> Somebody said that's a test of how much you have your Bibles with you in church. <laughs> right. So Luke 24 Verse 44 downwards. Then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything which is written concerning me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ, the Messiah, that Christ, the Messiah, should suffer and on the third day should rise from among the dead. And that repentance with a view to and the condition of forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send forth upon you what my father has promised, but remain in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's it. Remain in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Did he give them an end date? An end date where they should finish? Remain in the city till you are clothed? Did he give them an end date? No, from what we read, there was no end date, isn't there? I'm, I'm getting to something because God is about to use you as a family to birth something not only within Chelmsford, but bigger than Chelmsford. And I'm sure you are having, you've been having snippets of these prophecies. But there is a part we play so that the things that have been programmed in heaven becomes a reality here on earth. So when Joel prophesied and Jesus came to confirm that it is about time for this to happen, what happened? There were these people called his disciples, that is 12 plus, probably 11 plus at this time because one of them has already given his position. Right? So 11 plus plus others. So in all, there were about 120 men, they say-ish. Now, all of these people gathered in a place without an end date of when the time of prayer and heeding to the word of God is going to end. All they knew was that we've been commanded to do this. We are of one heart. We are of one mind. We are going to sacrifice to get this thing done. Wow. So now let's come to Acts chapter 2. I hope there is Acts chapter 2. How are we doing? How are we doing? Right. 
So Acts chapter 2, from verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all assembled together in one place. That's important. Take note. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like the rushing of a violent tempest or blast. Sorry, I'm reading for an amplified version, so it's giving too many details of words. <laughs> but you can overlook some of them. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were separated and distributed, and which settled on each one of them. And they were all filled, diffused throughout their souls with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other different languages. Tongues. As the Spirit gave, kept giving them clear and loud expressions in each tongue, in appropriate words. Amen. So that's Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4. I want to use this just to learn in the next 10 minutes, maximum, about 10. Is that, is that all right? Just 10 minutes, and then we sort of... Uh, but I want to speak about how, as a church, how we can embrace the command of God and how we can together also begin to have one mind. You see, when it talks of the, one of the things that you see again and again in the book of Acts, especially in the very beginning, is the word one accord. And there is a reason for that. Because sometimes we can talk about people being one, but not necessarily being of one accord. There are those who sometimes will join your campaign because you are fighting an enemy who is also their enemy. So because of that, they will join you for a cause, not because you are their friend, but because you are fighting their enemy and they see this as an opportune time for that enemy to be weakened, they will join your cause. Do you understand that? So you can see how, for instance, maybe when um, there were the ISIS and they were doing all those, you know, brutal things in Syria, and then you realize that all the, how would you put it, nations came together in order to stop the activity, right? Now, some of the nations that came together to stop that activity I don't want to push some of these political things so much in using, uh, but for instance, you could see that Russia was part of the nation that helped to stop it. So they were together with the West to stop ISIS. <laughs> but afterwards, because this was a common enemy, we were one in our five. Do you get it? But it doesn't mean they were of one accord. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. Right? So afterwards, 
they now turned around, and then the very same people who were helping to stop something somewhere are now the people turning against some of your values, so to say, or our values. Are you understanding? But when we are of one accord, we believe and sing from the same hymn book, so to say. Do you understand? That, that, that we don't sort of choose and pick. Once we agree that this is it, we go with that consensus and flow in that direction. It might not necessarily always be to the way you have wanted it to be done. But once it is agreed, you even are prepared to sacrifice for that good thing that we've agreed to be done. Amen? So this is what was happening here. That when Jesus said, tarry ye, now these people had other agendas. Remember, some of these people were working. You see, sometimes when we read the scriptures, we try to put in as if the people who were in there are different from us. No, they are not so different because some of them were mothers who were single mothers. Some of them were mothers who had children that they are taking care of. You understand? So the very business of life that we, conf we are faced with out here in the West, the very same thing was happening there. But when there was the summon call from heaven that we must let go of some of the things that we want here on earth so that a higher call will be birthed, because that higher call, when it is birthed, it will open the door for our children's children to rather walk in the heights and the higher level that God has called them to. So what it meant was that for them, it will be a sacrifice. That's what I want you to hear. It will be a sacrifice of their comfort because some of them will have loved to have slept, especially on a winter night. But the sermon was that you are to tarry together and keep praying and keep believing and keep sharing the word until it happens. So they were meeting and doing this again and again and again and again. And I tell you what, when such a thing happens, it paves a pathway in the heavenlies as well. Yeah. It forms what we call a highway. Isaiah prophesied about that in Isaiah 40. He says, and let there be a highway of the Lord. That's what happens. You see, when you are able to do that, you see, Abraham did that. And so, even though his grandchildren, some of them were going wayward, like Jacob, and he didn't know where he was going, because an altar had been set up previously by his grandfather, that altar was now protecting and moving him in a direction he himself did not know. <laughs> are you understanding what I'm talking about? <laughs> that there are some things that God is calling us to do that for all you know, yes, the schools are here. Yes, there are so many wonderful things in Chelmsford. I tell you, I know of places in London who are looking for schools out here. People are moving out here to your place just to get the good schools you have. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? All of these things are good things, but there are greater things than that. 
So he was sharing with them that, look, you must learn to live from this place of the high or upper room. Live from the high area. Live from the place where he says, come up hither. Why? Because what you do there affects generations beyond you. That there could be a grandchild of yours like Jacob who has gone wayward, but because of the altar, because of that which you sacrificed to do, he will still land in a place of promise. Oh, hallelujah. That somebody in this room is birthing, is going to be in a place where they are going to push and travel. The Bible says, for when Zion traveled, she brought forth. Your travail will never be in vain. Your travail will never be in vain. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says that God is not unrighteous to forget the good that you and I have done in his name. Beloved, whatever thing you do in the name of the Lord, with a heart for the Lord, God is saying that it is marked out somewhere. Your prayers, Bible also makes us understand that your prayers go forth like what? Incense also before his presence. So when these people gathered and were praying, it became an incense which therefore pushed forth that the promise which had been spoken forth hundreds of years before, all of a sudden there became a manifestation. May there be a manifestation of God's promise to you. Hallelujah. Amen. And when they were in this place, I just want to mention three things which happened there and then we end. Three things which happened in the upper room and then we end. Three things which happened in the upper room. One, in the upper room experience, you have the power of relationships. Amen. They were together. That means that you are not alone. You are not alone. When I was young, one of the things they used to teach me when they were talking about unity was that they said we had, for sweeping, out in West Africa, we have what we call a broom. In the olden days, in Britain, we used to have that as well. Right. So the broom is made up from the palm, the leaves, uh, the, yes, the leaves of the palm, right? And within that, you strip off the leaves and then you have these uh, sort of, what do you call it? Whistles left, yes. So you put them together and then you tie a rope around it. I'm just giving you a picture so you know what I'm talking about. And then you can use it to sweep this room. And it does very good sweeping too. <laughs> Whenever you take one of those bristles, it's very easy for you to break it. But whenever they tie the bristles together and then you tie and they ask you to break it, I tell you, it's almost impossible to break. In other words, if the enemy can isolate you and give you a good excuse why you shouldn't be part of it, he will do it. Why? Because he knows when you are together, it's very easy for him to break you. 
Peter and James both said this unto us. He says, look, especially Peter, he said, be aware for your adversary, your enemy, like a lion is looking for somebody to what? To devour. So when you go and then you look at it, you say, okay, how can I be able to learn about how the lions do that? Just watch the animal planet. And you realize that the lion doesn't go after the head even when they are uh, calves or whatever. Why? Because he knows that in the multitude, he can be gorged just by three or four of them. So he doesn't. But he picks and looks out for those who are not part of the herd. And what the enemy looks to do is to put offenses, bitterness. He gives you a good cause, excuses, why you shouldn't be part of it. Why he's doing that to put you aside so that like a devourer, he can come for you. Some of what I'm saying right now, you might not see it. It might happen later on. But you may need to play this again at a right time. <laughs> so God brings you into the power of relationship so that you encounter this, so that this can build you to your next level. Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man's countenance begins to sharpen another. Why? Because somebody might be very good. In the word of God, another is good in prayer. Another might be good in service. He says, whatever it is, we are what? Part of the same body. So we do not now compete, but we complement each other. So it shouldn't be difficult when we say, let's give a round of applause to the worship leaders. But maybe yours is never mentioned. Why? Because you come here and put out all these chairs. And afterwards, guess what? They never make a mention of you. <laughs> and it can go on for a while. And the only time they come is, oh, you know, because after they've all left, because it's your passion and it's your call, you want to make sure that everything is well arranged. So they'll all leave again. So you come in first and you go last because you want to make sure everything is well arranged. They never. Sometimes the pastor will come and say, oh, what would I do without you? You are such a great gift. But he never says that to the public like he does for the worship team. Hmm? <laughs> And if you don't take care, you might disregard what you are doing and be thinking that if I was also in the worship team. <laughs> when we are with one accord, we all know our place and we play it accordingly. We become a conduit to one another. I want to run because of time. Number two, when we operate from this place, we hear the sound of heaven. There is divine revelation. Oh, yes. There is divine revelation. A sound from heaven. Bible says that every sound has a meaning. 
When the right sound is not sounded, it means that at war time, you can be wrongly dressed. Because you might be in the midst of war and you are dressed like me, just about to go for a dance. But this is what the spirit of the Lord does. That when we are with one accord, gathered and pursuing that which heaven's mandate has been given, he gives us a revelation, a sound. There is a particular word. There is a particular theme. There is a word from the Lord that comes, a word of promise. And when you hear it, it begins to move you towards a particular direction. So the Bible says that there was a sound from heaven. Hallelujah. Then it also begins to change your talk. <laughs> Why? Because you live in the midst of people whose normal default of talking is negativity. Cost of living. You turn on to the news. Guess what? They are telling you the 10 reasons why even the best decision of the government is still wrong. Seriously. Do you understand? So if you are listening to the news all the time and you are watching the news and all the, at the end of the day, if you don't take care, it will simmer into your spirit. And that is dangerous because Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says, guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. He says, your words carries power. He says, the words of the power of your words is the fact that it has what? It has the power of life, but yours must be that of life and life and not death. Are you understanding, church? We're going to do a bit of prayer right now. So he said that they began to speak new languages. We speak differently. Hallelujah. We operate differently. We begin to speak that let it be as, it, as what the Lord has what said. Like Mary. Mary said, let it be unto me according to thy Hallelujah. So we speak in agreement with what God's word, that there shall be what? A performance of that which the Lord has said. When another word of the Lord God gave me as I sat down was Psalm 65 verse 11. And he says that the Lord says, I will crown your year with my goodness. God is crowning your year with his goodness. You might have gone through November, January to November, and things might not have gone the way you wanted, but this December, by the time the year ends, God is going to give you a cause for you to be able to say, thank you, Lord. A cause for you to be able to say, I am grateful for what you have done. A cause for you to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. See what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. God is going to give you a testimony. Lastly, when we dwell together in this place, it creates an open heaven. An open heaven is the place where the devourer is not able to operate. An open heaven is the place where things come through easily. The favor of God is upon it. You are able to tap easily into the wisdom of God. He says, I saw the angels ascending and descending. Why? It's an open heaven. He says, this is surely the gate of heaven. And I did not know. Wow. So this is what God is saying. The picture I'm giving you as a church. What I want you to do. What I want to do with you. Now the next part is, 
Are we ready to go with him? It's going to cost us. He says that nobody builds a house without first counting the cost. It's going to cost you. For some people, it will cost you a bit of sleep. It costs you different things. For different people, it will cost them differently. But it's always worth the price. It's always worth the price. This is my message to you, church, today in brevity. (laughs) That the Lord is calling us to the place of higher living. When Daniel and the other children in Babylon decided to walk and live in this high living, it cost them. They were put into the furnace of fire. So there are times you think, God, are you not going to come through? I know you're going to do something so that even before they put me in the fire, they will know that you are God. And then, no, he doesn't show up there. They put you in the fire. For some people, it's going to be like that. Because it's going to be the times where we are traveling and believing God that let there be a miracle of healing and yet it's not happening and then the person ends up in hospital. But you see, these children knew their God. That irrespective of what happens here on earth, God is still faithful. So they said, whether you deliver us or not, we will not bow. In other words, you don't give up because you think you don't see what you call an answered prayer. You don't give up. You don't give up. You don't give up. You keep on believing his faithfulness. You keep on believing in his goodness. You keep on believing in his love. And church, he will set you apart. Daniel and the other children were set apart. They were sitting with demons, wizards, and witches, and yet they were the ones who had the revelation when the others couldn't. God is bringing wisdom. God is going to impart the household with revelation that even before the city council is about to do other things, you'll be the one they will consult. Why? Because they know out of here the sort of things you bring to the table whether it's the way they are going about the youth, how are they getting on. They look at it and they say, look, This church does it greatly. Why do we have to go and bring a youth from London to come and show us how to do it? They are already doing it. Bring you to the table. Look at the way you're doing your child minding and all of that. And they want you to be at the table because you're doing it the best. May God overload us with this in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I want want us to enter into a time of prayer. There are a few things God Um, spoke about which I know he's doing. So shall we bow our heads if it's okay? I know we've been stretched for time a bit, but let's just do this last part together. Maybe you are here. The word of the Lord has come forth. And today you want to give your life to Jesus. You've heard about him. You have read about him. But you have not yet taken that bold step, that courageous step to say that come into my heart. I want to give you my all. But today you want to take that opportunity. You could be young, you could be old, it doesn't matter. Age is not the main thing. The most important is that your heart is surrendered to him. If you're like that today, I want to pray with you. 
I want you to just lift up one hand as our heads are bowed. And I want to pray with you. You want Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely gave. I want to give you that opportunity. Thank you, Lord. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Maybe you've given your heart to him, but you've gone wayward. And today you've come back and you've heard him talk about his love for you. And you want to embrace that love. His arms are outstretched, willing to do for you what only he can do. If you're like that, I want to also pray with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And lastly, we want to pray even into this. I'm putting all the prayer points together. That's why. Lastly, we want to pray into this. That... As the church is about to go on this journey, which the Lord is going to mandate, that you will not fall off, but you will be part of it. Hallelujah. That God will give you the grace and all that it will take, the sacrifices, and that you know that is for a worthy cause. Hallelujah. You know that is for a worthy cause. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your people today. I thank you. For those who are giving their lives to you, Lord Jesus, we confess with them with their mouth, O God. And Father, in their hearts, they believe that you will be the Lord of their life, or to you they surrender. Jesus, be the Lord and be their guide and lead them. Father, I pray for the church, O Lord God, that Father, as a river, you said that this river will flow. And there are trees on the sides which are trees of healing, O God. And the leaves, oh God, is healing to the nations. That means out of this place, you are going to bring healing, oh God. Father, to different families, to different diverse groups of people. Father, to different nations and people, oh God. And Father, for this and all of this to come into the fullness of what you have, you have formed and saying, oh God. Father, you are also calling them, Father, to the place for them to be of one accord to the place for them to be united in prayer, for the place where, Father, they will begin to put their priority on prayer and the word, O oh God. And as they serve, Father, in their places, bless the work of their hands. Bless the work, O oh God, Father, that you have committed to them. Father, for the mothers, for the fathers, O oh God, bless the work, O oh God, Father, of those who are in education. Bless the work, O oh God, Father, for those who are doing their own businesses. Bless the work, O oh God, Father, for those who own their own businesses. Bless the work, O oh God, Father, those who are serving in NHS and all of these other wonderful places, O oh God. Bless the work, O oh God, Father, and use them to your glory in Jesus much less name we pray. I pray, I, I, I just want to pray for somebody who had a migraine, a migraine, you've had a headache, migraine, whoever that person is, who, who is it? Just put your hands on your head right now, having he headaches on and off, whoever that person is right now. And then somebody also, it is more of your um, neck region as well, like a spinal 
thing, but it affects more of your neck. You sense the pain, sharp pain. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority, O oh God, over every foul, negative thing, uh, spirit, O oh God, and spirit of infirmity. I arrest you right now. Let the people of God loose and be gone. Let them loose and be gone. Anything behind this, whether it be uh, physical, whatever it is, whether it has its spiritual roots, right now we, re we reverse it in Jesus' name. And we speak healing right now. Migraine be gone and come back no more in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you also. Father, for the person, oh God, who is having that uh, pain, any pain, anybody with pain, any pain, oh God, Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now. Let your healing power flow, 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 especially that person with that spinal issue. I pray right now, may it be made straight and be made whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you are more than able that you are able to do more than we can ask or imagine. So, Lord, I pray that whatever the hard desires of your people are, Father, meet them according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Frank. Um, everyone, we, um, we've overrun slightly, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but there we are. If you've got children to collect, please go and collect them from that way, if they're still, yeah, yeah, okay. And um, otherwise, we will see you fellas on Tuesday evening, and then we will see the rest of you on Saturday afternoon. So um, have a great week. And um, we'll see you then. If you want, sorry, if you want prayer for anything, please come and grab any of us at the front. Um, please don't rush off if you've been stirred by anything through this morning and you want to just come speak to us. And Leo is waving a sign-up sheet for food, so she will be at the back. So please grab Leo and jot stuff down on the form. Thank you so much. Thanks again, Frank. Um, have a great week. See you later. <laughs>